Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. We rock it like you're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. And a good evening to you, everyone. It is Wednesday night, November 16th. 2016, welcome to Pure Gold, the show that covers everything and anything, but we'll only talk sports tonight. My name is JB, and my co-host, as always, is DG. Sir, how are you this evening? I am doing fabulous, as always, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to check us out at puregoldpg.com. And JB, let's get right to it. Let's get to it. Last night, folks, I mean, this is going to be a record. I think we're going to do the most Pure Gold shows in one week ever. Uh, so this is our second show of the week. Last night was all politics, like I said. Tonight will be all sports because we haven't really done a show since August. We want to just uh, get, uh, just talk about uh, the locals and just really wrap up sports in general until our show number 200, which is the Sunday. So talking sports tonight, we're just going to talk about, let's first uh, touch upon the baseball season, which ended about two weeks ago. Um, today, it was, I believe, uh, November 2nd was Game 7 of the World Series, but let's focus first on our Metropolitan, sir. The season uh, where we left off was that the Mets were making a a run again at the wild card because, let's face it, this season was an up-and-down season with their their injuries. Their starting pitching was just in disarray with all these injuries, so the Mets... We thought that the season ended like what, like five times throughout the year, and eventually they made this huge run and actually got one of the wild card spots. So, in a nutshell, I think the Mets had a a decent season, unfulfilling, but with all the injuries considered, um, you know, you you couldn't go much further than the Mets really did. They could have won the one game wild card game, but they didn't. Their offense just sputtered out. But uh, what do you think, sir? And, and as a whole, what do you think about the Mets season? I think the only way to honestly characterize the Mets season, um, you know, as negative as I can be, as biased as I can be, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to say that the Mets season was a, a success considering the amount of injuries, like you said, you know, everybody going down, the entire starting rotation pretty much going down except for Syndergaard. Um, and, of course, the guy who's no longer here, Bartolo Colon. Um, you know, the Mets offense being as terrible and as streaky as it was, I mean, I tell you, I'm happy. Although clearly it's a lot of money, I'm happy that Neil Walker is back this year. Uh, he, he would have been nuts. Uh, considering the way his season ended, he would have been nuts to not have accepted the arbitration offer or, you know, the qualifying offer, excuse me, from the Mets, which he did. He talked about unfinished business. I mean, he had he was having a great year before he got injured. And honestly, I think if he comes back next year, the fact that he has proven already that he can play in New York, that he can be a leader, that he can be very productive, he's probably going to set career highs. He would have set career highs at home runs and everything else if, you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt. So I think he'll do that next year and hopefully lead the Mets back to the playoffs. I agree with you um, on the one-game playoff. He could have won. You know, it is what it is at this point. But the season is definitely success. There's no way around it with all the crazy things that happened, sir. I'm even surprised they made it into the playoffs. And, you know, one-game playoff or not, it still is considered the playoffs, sir. 
Yeah, you're right. And, you know, when we look at the season as a whole, you're right, it's a success. But when we then break it down and we look at what actually happened, that one game playoff against the San Francisco Giants, uh, once again, uh, Jerry's Familia reared his ugly uh, head. Playoffs? Who talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Familia showed to me, at least, I don't know about you, but he showed to me that he wasn't a big-time closer. Yeah, you could collect stats. You could be pretty dominant throughout the regular season, which he was last year and this year. But, again, when it counted the most, the Mets needed a lockdown inning in the ninth inning, and he gave up a three-run homer. That was the end of the Mets, obviously. They had no offense at all. And, obviously, if you're not going to score any runs, you're not going to win the game. But, you know, a closer, a really good closer, a dominant closer, would shut down the – you know, the other team's uh, offense for one inning and give you a chance a team to win in the bottom of the ninth. And, and Familia, game one of the World Series last year and now this playoff game, to me showed he's just not, you know, big time, a big-time closer. I agree. You know, I'm not a fan of Familia. He's proven time and time again. He can't get the job done in the big spots. And, yes, uh, you know, to be fair, he did do a good job in the playoffs last year before the World Series, but when it mattered the most, he blew it. And he followed it up, blowing it again. I mean, there's just no way around it. With considering his, you know, pending suspension and the investigation of whole domestic violence thing, we'll see where that goes. But I don't like Familia to close. I don't think he's trustworthy. I don't care how many times he saves the game in the regular season for second year. That's just a problem to happen. You can't bring him in, you know, when there's nobody on base. You can't bring him in. I mean, when there's somebody on base, you can't bring him in. You know, if they're up by four runs, you can't bring him in. So many different situations, it just seems you can't bring him in. He's just not, you know, when he hurt, he's got too much work, too little work. He's just not reliable. And to me, I just definitely 100% do not want this guy as the close of the Mets. And if he is the close of the Mets, I just don't see the Mets winning at all unless they outscore the other team by six or seven runs. I just think that he's proven in the big spots when needed, he just cannot get the job done, sir. You're right. And the other two big question marks going into the uh, offseason now is will uh, Familia, not Familia, will Cespedes sign and what will the Mets offer him? Like, you know, I always like to play GM here, and I always think about somebody that Cespedes uh, is a great player and does thrive in New York. And there's very few players that you could say that comes to the Mets organization that actually does good. Cespedes has proven the last two years when healthy and not, I guess, golfing every day and hurting his uh, whatever, his hip, um, that he can be a really productive player and really clutch. Um, so I don't know what the Mets are going to offer him. I-, I wouldn't offer him, again, I think we had this the same discussion last year, but I wouldn't offer the guy more than three years and, and possibly pay him about 28 to $30 million a year. Considering the Mets pitching staff, uh, their starters anyway, the young guns have proven that they break down pretty easily. They're not going to get those big contracts from the Mets anytime soon. They got to first prove that they they can stay healthy for a couple of years, and then they got to prove that they're actually big time pitchers. So, what do you think of of, of a three year deal for Cespedes for right around ninety million dollars a year? Uh, ninety million dollars total. Sorry. I mean, to me, <laughs> ninety a year—that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's I think a lot of money. thirty years. I think thirty years too much, but it seems like that's what they're going to have to do to get the job done. It just seems like entirely too much money, sir. Um, I mean, 25, 25 is, is, seems to be good, but uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, considering they technically offered him, what, 27 and a half? No? Yeah. Um, you know, for the other two years and the, the year that he ended up uh, playing this year, I think that Cespedes is the catalyst, and I do think the Mets need him back, sir, and they need to figure out exactly how to do that. 
Yep. So that's the one big question mark. And the other question mark is, um, well, I don't even think it's a question mark more more than the general manager and the owner just sitting down with our third baseman, Mr. David Wright, and, and discussing that this is probably the end of the line for him. I don't see how um, how the Mets could actually bring him back and him demand any more money than he's been making. I just think he's a detriment on the salary the team as a whole because I think he's been proven that he can't stay healthy anymore. The latest injury is almost career-threatening, almost life-threatening. I mean, at this point, wouldn't somebody have to have a sit-down with this guy and say, listen, Dave, you have a family, you have a kid now, a baby. Um, it's really time to hang him up because uh, you're, you're, you're putting your life in at risk now if you're going to play more baseball. Yeah, I agree, sir. I definitely agree with you. I think that um, he needs to go. He needs to go away somewhere. I mean, the truth is, with Neil Walker back in the fray, he's going to be the second baseman. Um, you know, this means Reyes will probably be your starting third baseman. I mean, I don't know what David Ray can contribute, but you're right. I think it's time for him to retire, sir. I think it's time for him to go far away, never to be seen far again, far. only at old-timers' days. <laughs> so just give me your quick take as we uh, wrap up on the Mets season and just the offseason, too. Um, how disappointed are you in the fact that, you know, we, we talk about how when when there's a team that's ready to win it all, how you have to just take advantage. And, and it seemed like the Mets' window closed so rapidly when we consider that they have such young guns at the you know their pitching rotation, if healthy, could be really dominant. But now you have to be skeptical and think that this team can never be fully healthy with their starting pitching. So, um, you know, this window that we we saw the last two years – is it closed officially? Do you give him one more year? I mean, there's a lot of question marks with Harvey, with DeGrom, with uh, Mats. And these are all people that, you know, you figure that would lead them to at least one title. And now we're, we're – I don't even know if we're going to get that anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's – I don't think you can say that it's officially closed. But I do think it, this year would probably be the last year you can say that let's go for it. Um, the injuries really set them back this last year. Maybe that has to do with all the pitching the year before, going to the World Series, et cetera, et cetera. But, again, now these guys are coming off injuries, so you don't know what you're going to get. You can't even say that Harvey is – you can count on Harvey. You can't say you can count on DeGrom. You can't say you can count on any of these guys, really, except for Noah, and, we'll, you know, we'll see how that turns out. you got Kesselman and Lugo in the fold. I mean, I think the Mets will be strong pitching-wise, but I definitely don't have a much confidence in a Steven Matz or – guys like that, and I think the Mets have a lot to prove this year, sir, an absolute lot, but I think this is it. You know, it's the hell or high water this year, sir. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the playoffs as a whole, um, I obviously jumped on the bandwagon of my dad, Neil from Belleville, Parsippany, uh, Woodridge, wherever he's from these days, um, jumped on the Indians' bandwagon and watched uh, a pretty exciting playoff run for them all the way up to the fact that they lost Game 7 of the World Series to Chicago Cubs, who finally broke the curse of the 1908 Billy Goat, um, you know, denial, if you will, into the World Series. Um, so, well, the Billy Goat was 1940. So the Billy Goat was 1945, by the way. Oh, that's when the Billy Goat was, not 1908. <laughs> yeah, 1908 is the last time they had won the World Series. Okay, that's right. So 1908, the, the curse uh, apparently is broken, and. Um, I know that you were rooting for the Chicago Cubs. I was rooting for the Indians in the World Series. I thought it was one of the better World Series in terms of drama. But, um, you know, what the the Cleveland Indians proved was that when you um, have a team down, which they did, they had the Chicago's down three games to one. Um, if, you, if you give them any form of life, any momentum, and game six 
turned out to be a slot fest in the first inning. Game seven turned to be one of the best game sevens I've ever seen in terms of drama. Um, I just feel bad that the Indians lost, but the Cubs finally won their championship. Now they're not the lovable, lovable losers anymore. I feel like the Mets are now the lovable losers of the Major League Baseball, if you will. So congratulations to them. Any any take yeah. on the, the the playoffs in I general? I definitely don't think the Mets are the lovable losers, but I think what gets me is that people were picking, and I remember mocking them, people were picking the Cubs to win the World Series before the season started because of the roster they had assembled. Now, let's be right. honest, they barely won the World Series. They easily could have lost that seventh game, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And the favorites really never win, but in this case, they did. Um, and I remember thinking, how are people discounting the Mets and their pitching staff and their roster, et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, Look how that turned out. But, you know, congrats to the Cubs. I'm glad they won. It would have been nice to see the Indians win, and hopefully they will, they will win soon, considering they've lost so many, you know, heartbreaking World Series in recent memory. I mean, I think yeah. pretty sure three, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, 95 against the Braves, 97 against the Marlins, and now 2016. Um, I mean, Neil's had a lot of uh, stress to deal with too, as far as this team goes. But at the end of the day, one, you know, piece of history was made, and, I'm hoping that next year the Mets will come back and they'll be the winners. You know, they'll be able to make something happen. And 31 years after last winning World Series, because it's getting a little old, sir, a little tired of the Mets never winning anything. It really is. And as we wrap up uh, our sports talk with that, uh, let's, let's move on to our just uh, football, because that's the only other thing that I want to talk about tonight in sports, unless you had something. But, you know, the football season started um, with me uh, in terms of the Jets, for example, first. Um, with you know Fitzpatrick signing a one-year deal for twelve million dollars, I thought that the the team was actually going to do. Um, I thought the first six games were going to be very hard for the Jets, and I said I'd take three and three um, to start the season. And the Jets ended up being one and five. Fitzpatrick really stunk it up. The offense is in, is in disarray now, and Todd Bowles just uh, has proven that he's not really a good coach at all. So I think same old Jets for me, sir. If you sum up the Jets. It is the same old Jets. They need a quarterback. They're starting Petty now, seeing if he's the future. But, um, you know, typical Jets. Last year they had a good year. They missed the playoffs by one game because they lose to Rex Ryan the Buffalo Bills. This year they had a tough schedule to start, and now they're just floundering. They're testing out Hackenberg and Petty the next couple games to see who, if anyone, can step up and be the franchise quarterback because, let's face it, Fitzpatrick is a, you know, he'll have one good year, and they'll have, like, three bad years. So we had the one good year last year. They didn't make the playoffs. Now the season's over for me. Even before Halloween, the season was over for me. Um, so any any thoughts on the Jets before we talk about your great Giants? Um, I think it's a shame that the Jets are such a disgrace and such a mess, and it just seems like they never get better. Six straight, This is going to be six straight years of them not making the playoffs. They never seem to get their act together. I mean, it's just head coach. You know, you had the Rex Ryan era. You had the... Man genius era, era. Now you have um, Todd Bowles, and it just seems like they never get anything right. They never pick the right quarterback. They don't know how to develop a quarterback, and I think it's a shame because Jets fans, just like Mets fans, deserve a win. And um, I just, I don't know, sir. It just seems like this, this organization is just completely incompetent, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. And they prove that every single time they try to do something, it just backfires on them, sir. And it's a shame. I mean, this. I remember everybody going nuts about, you know, we put Gino in there. Gino needs to start. Again, I repeat, I don't know why people thought Gino was going to be any good. He stunk in his past opportunities, and he wasn't much to write home about. When healthy, of course, he goes and gets hurt. Fitz has been terrible this year. 
what an absolute waste of money that guy was. And then you have Bryce Petty, who's your, you know, at this point, I guess, your starting QB. And, you know, Christian Hackenberg, who's, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's going out, you know, getting food runs and going to Dunkin' Donuts or something because I, I just don't know, sir. I know you're a Jets fan, and I just I feel your pain. Oh, the pain, sir. Oh, the pain. <laughs> Joe B, WFAN, that's a good quote. Oh, the pain. Uh, yeah. But on the flip side, the Giants started out 2-0, and and I thought that, uh, you know, that was a good start for them. Or I think it was maybe 3-0 and that they started out. And then they floundered a little bit, and now they're 6-3. and uh, Eli Manning to Beckham has been the, the main storyline. You know, the running game is really not there. Uh, they don't really have a good running uh, running attack. But, you know, when you have Beckham to throw to, um, you're in the game most of the time. So the Giants are in probably the most competitive uh, division, the NFC East, where I believe everybody's above 500, which is crazy for a division. Um, but I think that the Giants have really stabilized they're six and three now. They're they're. I don't know if they could catch the Cowboys because that's the big storyline. Is that the Cowboys, not with Tony Romo, but with Dak Prescott at the helm, are eight and one or seven and one, and uh, looking to um, you know run away with the division and the conference, if you will. But uh, give me your take on the Giants. Did, do you think that they're they have a a chance to make a big run this year, or you think that they're just playoff bound and might lose to a a better playoff team? What do you think? Honestly, at this point, I'd be happy if the Giants had a winning record and somehow eked into the playoffs there. I mean, considering the last three years losing seasons in their Coughlin, I mean, they finally seem to have righted the ship. Um, you know, they're 6-3. and three. They could easily be 7-2 and two because they should have won the Redskins game. Um, yep. And then I look, at the, uh, I look at the Cowboys in the same division. I remember hearing on the radio, oh, the Giants should win the division this year, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the, the, national, the national League, the NFC East has been a lot better than anybody thought. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys seem to be the class of the NFL right now with that ridiculous comeback they made this week against uh, the Steelers. I'm hoping they fall off their high horse pretty soon. It's just one thing that truly annoys me about Cowboys fans is you never hear about them. The team hasn't won in, you know, 24 years or whatever the case is, 21 years, and they disappear, and then all of a sudden they're playing well, and everybody's a Cowboys fan, and everybody's talking crap about the Cowboys and blah, blah, blah. Uh, hey, newsflash, the Giants have four rings, uh, so suck it. You know, please do something before you before you get all excited and crazy and go nuts. Please do something because you haven't done anything in twenty something years. How about in terms? Yeah, that, that's a good point. How about in terms of uh, the NFL as a whole? Though? They've been talking about how the ratings have been down, and they some people have blamed it on the the presidential, um, the election, the debates, um, just everything to do with politics because it's been you know Donald Trump was very polarizing and was taking ratings away from the NFL. I, I don't buy it. I feel like that the game, to me, I, I don't know if it's just the matchups have been pretty bad this year, except for this past week, or the fact that there, there's, the game has slowed down to a crawl with, um, with there's a penalty on every play, and the game isn't as fast as it was, and there's instant replay, and it's just a combination of things. What do you think? Do you think ratings have dipped so bad that, um, the NFL is now concerned that their their money making machine is going to grind to a halt eventually. I don't know. I don't think that. I mean, eventually, I guess all the good things come to an end. But I don't think it's time to be concerned yet. I do think that a lot of people are turned off by the whole thing with the flag and you know the national anthem, et cetera, et cetera. And you have these idiots, guys like Colin Kaepernick, protesting who don't even vote. They protest the results of the election, or they complain about the results of the election. They protest about our, you know, the judicial process and everything that happens in this country, and then they have the nerve to not vote, sir. I just have no respect. I didn't have any respect for Kaepernick before, 
but I have no respect for this guy now. And it's guys like that. You don't vote. Shut the hell up. You know what's funny is that you, I forgot to touch upon that. People also think another theory why ratings are down is because people have been turned off by people like Kaepernick and now Mike Evans, I believe, of the Tampa Bay Bucks that say that they will not stand. Also didn't vote. Uh, also didn't vote. He won't, but Mike Evans won't stand because he didn't want, I believe, Trump as president, but he didn't vote either, as, as I recall, like you said, right? That, yeah, exactly. That's my point. He didn't vote, and he's complaining about this. I mean, it just shows how stupid and uneducated and idiotic these guys are. If you're going to to the fact, do what you have to do, you know, be a, an example to kids. Don't say, well, you don't have to vote. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. I mean, you know, it, to be honest with you, sir, the only way to describe it, in my personal opinion, as far as all these guys go, would be this. You make us all sick! If you were the commission, what would you do to these guys? Um, Honestly... See, the thing about this is if I was the commissioner, you know, me personally, there's so many things that I would do. But at the end of the day... Christ, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. He'd be out. Gone. Finito. Go to hell. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say to Colin Kaepernick and Mike Evans. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I I think that we've pretty much wrapped up the – let's see what happens with the NFL season. Let me just uh, get a – I think we're a little bit past the halfway mark, but um, I know you're going to be a biased Giant fan, but looking at – try and look at it unbiasedly. Give me your Super Bowl prediction so we can never talk about this ever again because, you know, after Sunday, pure gold is still finished. But give me your your final Super Bowl <laughs> prediction uh, here on pure gold for this year. Uh. I would say my pick for the Super Bowl would be the Giants against the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think about that, sir? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, for old time's sake, why not another giant Patriots Super Bowl? Because at this point, the Giants are just, you know, going to barely make the playoffs as a wild card team. And you can see when they do make the wild card, they make this uh, incredible run usually. And they usually end up playing the Patriots, and they'll probably end up being the Patriots. And they'll get their, uh, what, their fifth ring for their franchise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> so um, I can't think of any – was there any sports, big sports headlines um, between August and now other than our local teams that we want to talk about? I can't think of a big storyline at all. I mean, unless you want to talk about – Unless you want to talk about Phil uh, Phil Collins, I mean, uh, what's Phil Jackson? Phil Jackson <laughs> and his uh, the whole posse comment. I tell you, this country has turned. We talked about this yesterday. This country has yeah. turned into such a whiny political, like super scum liberal country where everybody complains about everything. I've used the word posse a million times. I've never thought of it with any racial undertones. In fact, uh, one of the callers called on Mike Show and was saying that I think there's a charity or something that Phil runs or he's involved in or something. It has called Posse, something with Posse in the name. I don't know if that's true or not, but I did hear that today on the show. And at the end of the day, I've never heard that word and thought of anything racial, but all of a sudden it's racial because it's about LeBron James. I mean, seriously, you know, this is the stuff that really pisses me off and the stuff that aggravates me about this country. Everybody wants to say everything is racist, everyone's racist, they all scream racism. Go to hell! <laughs> I don't want to make that's this a double standard. I don't want to. I don't want to make this a double standard. But tell me if you agree with this or a black-white thing. But I feel like if if uh, Phil Jackson was an African American and said it, I think that LeBron James would have no problem with it. I think the fact that 
Phil Jackson's white and says the word posse, just like if you're white and you say the N-word, all of a sudden you're being racist. But if you're you're African-American and you say that word, it's not racist. Yeah, it's it's a double standard, sir, an ultimate double standard. But do you agree the fact that if Phil Jackson was uh, anything other than the Caucasian and he said it, I, I don't think this is an issue at all with LeBron James? Wait, say that again, sir? I'm saying if Phil Jackson was anyone other than a Caucasian and said posse, say he was Spanish, say he was uh, African-American, he said the word posse about LeBron James and his people, you think LeBron James has a problem with it? Uh, Probably because, you know, it's Phil, and if it was anybody else, he probably wouldn't have a problem with it. But, you know, he's white, so it's racism. It's obviously racism. It's just stupid. It's absolutely stupid, sir. Yeah, I, I guess uh, in terms of just basketball and other storylines is that Kevin Durant, um, I don't think he signed until well after our last show in August. He signed with the Golden State Warriors, and now he's – well, maybe maybe we did talk about this, but he's with the Golden State Warriors, and, you know, they have a mega team now. I, I don't think that they're going to be any better than they were last year. I mean, they won 73 games last year. I don't think they're going to win 73 not. games. No. So they'll get – they might get to the finals again if they stay healthy – and might end up most likely playing the Cavaliers again for another finals. But um, when somebody like LeBron James makes stupid comments like that, it's hard to root for him. I mean, I was rooting for the Cleveland Cavaliers last year only because I thought that LeBron James is one of the best players of all time, and he had a better, you know, he, he had taken, I think, his team, whichever team he was on, to six straight finals, and I think that was impressive. So I I think that, I'd probably root for the Golden State Warriors if they get made to the finals this year against the the Cleveland Cavaliers because at this point, you know, LeBron James has definitely turned me off again with his uh, stupid outlandish comments. Oh, of course. Uh, absolutely, sir. I mean, it's just uh, modern America. Everybody, you know, every liberal wants to make stupid comments. Hey, what do you think about this? Um, yeah. You watch uh, Man of Steel, right? Of course. You know the guy who played General Zod. His name is Mike Shannon. He's an actor, Michael Shannon. He, one of uh, one of his followers, I guess, on Twitter asked him a question and said, "Hey, um, you know, my parents voted for Trump. What do I do?" His response was, "F them." Literally said the word, uh, "F them." You're an orphan now. This is <laughs> this is tolerant liberal Hollywood, sir. I just wanted to throw that out there. Typical, typical. So. uh yeah, I, I think that that's all I have in terms of my sports uh, update between August and now. There wasn't much, but it was good to uh, wrap up at least in the archive. We could say that we wrapped up the baseball season. We talked about football and um, just the major headlines in sports, like you said, with this whole thing with LeBron James and Phil Jackson. Uh, there's really nothing else. I, I think that we could wind. We could probably end the show now, and uh, you know, hopefully Friday talk a little wrestling, and then Sunday have the big. PG two hundred. Hopefully, sir. Hopefully, we'll get to two hundred. I mean, we're 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 trying to ha- make it happen, sir. We are trying to make it happen, folks. Uh, are, thank so. you so much for listening. As always, though, nobody who's out there listening to us, we really <laughs> appreciate you. Um, really, we appreciate ourselves because nobody is listening to this crap right now. Shame on you. This is what I gotta say to Todd Bowles. Sir. Stop smoking the Woody Johnson crack pipe. And of course, uh, I think at the at this point in the season, we can all agree with this sentiment. <laughs> that is literally my favorite. That's, That's right. <laughs> I love it, folks. Uh, 
again. I don't even know who I'm talking to. It's really there's nobody out there. Hey, let's let's just close this show, sir. Let's just end this show. Uh, you have a show on the internet? <laughs> and we out of your home. Yeah. <laughs> gotta love it, sir. You just got to love it. What's the name of your show? You uh, pure gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Woo! Good night, nobody. Good night.